Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. Welcome to the Limb Hanger Turkey Hunt Podcast, brought to you by Grounded Brand and their new Impact 2.0 Turkey Vest. Get grounded at groundedbrand.com. The Limb Hanger Turkey Hunt Podcast strives to bring opinions and discussions from all aspects of the turkey hunting community. From legendary turkey hunters who hunted in military fatigues, to the modern day hunters embracing technology while maintaining traditions passed along for generations. All are welcome at this roundtable conversation about one of the wariest creatures in North America, the wild turkey. Stick around. It's going to be a great show. And welcome to another episode of the Limb Hanger Podcast. Tonight we got the three other, well, we're full house. I was going to say three amigos, but like well, there's four of us. We're full house. <laughs> we got all there and we got everybody in here. We got Matt, we got Joey, and we got Parker, who of course is turkey hunting because, you know, that's what Parker gets to do. He just gets to go all across the country, back and forth, up and down chasing gobblers while the rest of us try to work for a living i know you work on the side that's good but it's good to have you guys it's not working not working on the side i mean i work for a living (laughs) (laughs) come on man you turkey hunted hunted more hours a day than you worked you ain't gonna lie to me oh yeah i did i worked one hour (laughs) um, and then i was done (laughs) I really, I had good intentions. I got out of the woods at one. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to work the rest of the day. There's a little library over here or whatever. And I was like, I'm going to work the rest of the day. And the library was closed because it's a Monday. I, I guess people don't read books on Mondays. And uh, so I couldn't use Wi-Fi. And I was like, well, crap. And then my phone told me that, uh, it told me that I was out of, like it was going to start throttling my data because I, Last week, and I was turkey hunting. I was just using my hotspot over and over again. So I don't have any hotspots. So I was like, eh, I'm just going to go back and turkey hunt. And I did. And didn't hear anything or see anything or nothing good happened. But I was out in the woods. So it was fun. Speaking of reading books, let's take a quick poll. Like everybody, it seems like every turkey hunter says like the 10th Legion is their favorite book. I have a thing going where I tell most people like, I, I don't believe like a 10% of turkey hunters actually read any kind of turkey hunting literature. So sorry for the turkey hunters out there. But if you've read, a, if you've actually read a book, man, that was a, that was a horrible thing to start that off. Wow. Well, you just, you well, you're going to have to, I have never read a turkey book in my life. Have you not? Never. never have you bought no. one? No, I don't own one, nothing. Okay, first of all, Parker, you're going to have to edit that out. Why? 
That wasn't nope. bad. I didn't want to alienate because it came out the wrong way. What I was going to say is, I feel like I feel like a lot of turkey hunters say they love turkey hunting literature, but at the end of the day, they probably never actually read the entire books that they say they love. And you were talking about a gobbler, you know, running back and forth at you at one o'clock this afternoon, and it got. We were talking before we jumped on here about old Gallberry Joe from the old pro turkey hunter. And I had not read the old pro turkey hunter until last year. Up until that point, the only piece of turkey, well, the only two books I'd read on turkey hunting were the 10th Legion, which is good, and uh, Illumination in the Flatwoods. And that was just to learn more about the wild turkey. Um, but for me, like the old pro turkey hunter is like the, it may be my favorite book of all time. And I'm like, I like to read. That is my favorite book of all time. Just a great story. What do you guys? Yeah, oh, old different. pro, old pros up there. Is it better? Okay, Joey, go ahead, Matt. I couldn't name you five turkey books. <laughs> we'll change your, we'll change your heart. You killed five turkeys last year, so we're gonna get you on five turkey books. We'll get <laughs> for one every turkey bird. for every turkey you kill this year. You got to read a turkey book. <laughs> well, I'm not. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. That is pretty good, Joey. I, that, that's good. Okay, to read. That's that the new has, challenge for this group. If you kill a turkey this year, you have to listen to you have to read or listen to a new turkey hunting book. And there's not many on audio, so you're probably gonna have to buy some. Yeah. Yeah, because I've looked for flip. That means I got I already gotta read one. Just read the cliff notes. <laughs> We're gonna cancel you now, Matt. <laughs> I'm just a casual turkey hunter. It's okay. <laughs> Book reports are due on Memorial Day. Goodness gracious. Well, That's actually a pretty good challenge. How about we do this? Um, What if we challenge everybody to do that? Mm. For mm. every turkey you kill, read a new turkey book. It could be, I, I would say, like, it can be about turkey hunting. Uh, uh, Tom Kelly's got several books. Yep. Right? Like, mm-hmm. Not like he's just got the one. Um, and, and make that a challenge. So every turkey you kill, you got to read a new turkey book. And it's not like kids turkey books, because I'm sure those exist. Like how to make a hand turkey, you know, they, like they, they have, uh, turkey hunting bedtime storybooks. My daughter's got two of them. Yep. One of them's, one of them's got the little sound buttons, you know, the little things on the side that you can push. It's got like slate calls, mouth calls, gobble it's got the sound of a dude shooting a turkey with a bow it's like thump. child's book that's it's awesome. a child's book it's not too bad the other one I have is uh, it's like my first turkey hunt or something and it's uh, like actual photos and I don't know that's the best one I'll have to send y'all a picture of it uh, but I got it for or somebody give it to me for my daughter and she loves that thing. I think mostly because I do all the sound effects for it. But yeah, that adds, that adds on. You, when you read the book tour, you have your turkey call in your mouth too, right? <laughs> no, I, I have to do everything with my mouth. So oh, I haven't gotten that far yet. So I'm Joey, you, cringe, okay? you, you didn't act like the old pro was your favorite. What's your favorite turkey hunting book? Yeah, it's, it's old pro. Yeah. Um, okay. Admittedly, I haven't read that many turkey hunting books either. Read Old Pro, Tenth Legion, and yep. one or two other ones. But 
I don't think that's very many considering the amount of turkey hunting books that are out there. There's not a crazy amount, but they're pretty dang mm-hmm. good. Like the ones that are out there are just mostly um, there's some good like storyteller type books that are out there, like good traditional uh, literature. So I would recommend like One Man's Game by Kenny Morgan. I think it's Ken Morgan or Kenny Morgan, one of the two. Um, my le- you're talking about kids books. My 11 year old has some books by Lane Walker, and I can't remember their names. I was trying to look them up while you guys were talking, uh, but I remember the author. And they're more of like books that are pertain to hunting, but have like a a real story kind of built in. And he really likes hmm. those, so that's good for kids. I tell you, who has a couple of really good ones uh, is Doc Weddle. He's oh, yeah. kind of journaled or put to paper several several of his you know turkey hunts from decades you know the man when we talk with bonds i forget how many he said that doc has and is currently working on as far as u.s super slams he's got more than anybody that i can think of uh but he uh i bought it's like tales and something from across from turkey hunting tales or from across the country i forget the exact title but he's got volume he's got at least two volumes and may have a third one by now but man, if anybody can fill up a book with turkey hunting stories, it's Doc Weddle. And they're yeah. good. The ones I read have been very good. How many does he, how many US Super Slams does he have? Did you say? Four? Is that I think right? That's right? He has four working on five. I think so. That's insane. But you gotta he was think on, he was on the Doc. Gamekeepers podcast a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I need to listen Talking to that. It. Doc's been turkey hunting, like traveling and turkey hunting literally decades. I think what since the like maybe the eighties or something. Does that sound yeah. about right, Adam? You know, you know yeah, what I'm talking about. I think so. Yeah. And Golly. it's funny how many like I guess popular turkey hunting figures in the industry that you hear of that's met Doc not at an industry event, but at some public WMA. Like you yeah, on the road. You hear like, Oh yeah, I met Doc Weddle at in South Carolina, <laughs> this and this. We oh heck, we had uh who was it we had on from uh Bayside Legion. Well, it's Bonds. Yeah. 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 Oh, Bonds. Bonds, his dad met him, right? Yeah. That's another story that met Doc yeah. Weddle. Yeah. Like That's I said, cool. man's yeah. been traveling and turkey hunting for well over 30 years, probably close to 40 years. And as far as I know, he's worked for himself his entire life. I forget exactly what he does. He's in construction. Yeah. Some kind of construction. And it, I, wa- I kind of want to say it's like some kind of antique restoration construction or something to do with like uh old stuff old kind of construction uh but he yeah he is just legendary for traveling and turkey hunting for as long as many people have been alive and i don't know that he gets really the recognition that he deserves he's kind of it almost seems like he's he's a little quiet he holds a little bit of stuff to the chest close to the chest um but I don't know, maybe he's just one of those that just goes out and kills turkeys and doesn't really worry about anything else. But he's a, he's a, he's a machine man. Fellas, you're going to hear my truck start up so that I can uh, keep my light on on this thing. So <laughs> probably everybody's going to hear my truck start up. Let's see. Have you started Let's it? Hear, let yeah. us hear yeah. it, Parr. Let's you hear it, Parr. Let's hear it, Parr. 
does a Chevy can keep a continuous purr or does it have kind of like a gargle and dip and then back? It is a gargle and dip. Let me tell you. <laughs> I've, I've had the truck off because it's just like, it's freaking annoying. It's like, and just I was, whatever. I was honestly waiting for the truck to just die or not even <laughs> yeah. start. It's on the, on the recording. <laughs> You know what's what's awesome? What I'm super fired up about is that um, we have set a standard where I can just have the worst audio in the world and uh, be out here turkey hunting, doing podcasts in the Walmart parking lot. I hey, love that. And, eat, and eating that potted meat on your oh. sandwich, too. Ooh, ooh, let me tell y'all something about it. Let me tell y'all a traveling turkey hunter. Okay. Um, there are so a lot of people like the tuna, like the bags. Y'all know what I'm talking about, yeah, like the tuna little, creations or whatever. Yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hate them. I hate tuna. Yeah, like that. Just not my favorite. Well, Walmart started selling this pulled pork in a bag like that tuna. First off, that one was freaking amazing. It's so good. I mean, it tastes like gas station pulled pork. So. By so good, you kind of have to set your standard, right? You got to set a, a low bar, but it's good. It's edible. So at Dollar General today, I found this refrigerated, like, sealed pulled pork. And it's amazing. It tastes like a restaurant worthy. Wow. And it's the same stuff. It's the same kind of, like, pulled pork parts is probably what it is. But it's pretty delicious. <laughs> You probably just lay it up there in the dashboard while you're out hunting and just get it all nice and warm under the windshield there down down the and let that let that good Florida sun just bake it and get it all nice and warm for you. I'm I'm doing this one this one cheap. Like last week I was in Florida while we were when we recorded the podcast and I've actually been home and then came back um because my wife and kids went for spring break to my in-laws house. And I was like, well, I could just sit at home by myself and not turkey hunt because the peasants don't get to turkey hunt um, in Alabama until this weekend. Uh, the poors, the rich guys get to get to do whatever they want uh, starting the 25th. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to drive down to Florida. And then I realized somewhere about halfway, I was like, you know, all the gas money that's spent in Florida, I could have just got on a lease and hunted the 25th. <laughs> But the stories weren't been uh, wouldn't have been near as good. No. Yeah, it's true. The hunt. I mean, the hunting down here is, it's it's fun. So like, um, it's the habitat is just really really cool. It's a fun place to hunt turkeys at. Um, I'm not gonna say there's just a pile of turkeys, uh, but I will say, I will say, you know it just the habitat that they live in makes it that much more interesting. There's all kinds of sounds, different birds making noises. Like it's just, it's just really cool. The palmettos. I have this thing with palmettos where like, I really want every bird that I kill in Florida, like Bob his head up and down through the palmettos, like looking through all the leaves just because it's a cool, it's like a cool setting. Um, you feel like you're in the jungle, I guess. And so, yeah, I, I decided to go ahead and come back over here and try to fill that last tag. But like you said, 
Joey earlier. I I didn't work a whole lot today. My intentions were to work, but I I got a little bit sidetracked. Um, but maybe tomorrow will be better. We'll see. <laughs> so you've experienced Florida cattle pastures here recently and palmettos. And you got to see both, like the beauty of a gobbler coming through that cow pasture versus a, a turkey just bobbling his head through palmettos. Which one did you prefer? Well, actually, we we didn't see any come through cow pastures. Um, With Eli? Nope. Eli's bird was, uh, we were like, we, we thought that we were probably going to kill a bird on that cow pasture. I think that's yeah. what we... We were like, that's where we're going to kill him at. If we kill one in here, that's probably where we're going to kill him. That bird actually went between two cow pastures, and he was all woods in that, like, live oak hammock. Just absolutely beautiful. Um, it looked pristine where you guys shot. It, it was. was nice. Like, where all those pictures are, are taken is literally where the bird died. Like, it was that pretty. Um Man, I, I've dreamed about that one a lot, and I didn't even pull the trigger on him. It was just so freaking beautiful, and um, I and it was it was fun. I mean, Eli, I can't wait for people to see this video. Um, it he gets he gets tore up, and it was so much fun to watch. It was so much fun to watch it, and to film it, and to, like just be a part of it. My buddy, uh, another guy that came with us, Casey. He filmed a second angle and got it perfect. And so we were just all three there, like in probably the most beautiful place I've ever even imagined killing a turkey. And we all got to experience it together. And what most people, a lot of people probably don't know is that I don't, I don't hunt with a lot of people. Um, I haven't turkey hunted with a whole lot of people at all. And so obviously like, being around, being with somebody else whenever they kill a turkey. I haven't been a part of that just a ton. And just a, a few times I have, but not just a ton. That one was like, oh man, I just, I could talk about it for a long time because it was just that. It's those, it's it's the reason why uh, we were just talking about these books and like just kind of the poetic nature of these books. Those type of hunts are what I think pulls it out of people it's like i've got to think of something stronger than just my redneck vocabulary to describe whatever that was because that was beautiful yeah. um and it's it's you have some hunts that are ugly you know i, I sometimes you, you shoot one and you're like well that wasn't pretty but we got it you know um but those those ones that are just you know where he just basically walks into the bead and really like you don't the shot was not really the part of it that you remember the most. It was him coming through the woods. Um, mm, mm, man, it's, it's, this is, this is quickly turning into my favorite time of the year. I love it. Good. Good. <laughs> I don't That'll see be that. <laughs> yeah. I don't see it either, Matt. I've been saying that for years with Parker. It's like, he, he'll say that and it's like deer season rolls around. And that dude is just like 100% centered and focused on one thing, and that's killing deer. But one of the topics that we want to talk about tonight was just that, and that's attitude, it's confidence. And I'll say this, 
Parker, like I've known you a lot longer than I've known Joey and Matt. And I don't know, you guys may have this same kind of drive, but Parker's confidence and his attitude in the woods is like second to none to anyone I've ever been around. And the confidence part to me is something that I strive for. And it's tough, like for the everyday guy to just like have that confidence because confidence is something that's built and it's almost like uh, it's kind of like a healthy habit, right? Like you just got to keep it going and going and going. But attitude is something anybody can really flip a switch on and continue to keep kind of in your favor. And one of the things that I was dealing with in Florida on opening day, honestly, and this is a really simplistic um, way to get this started, is we weren't hearing turkeys gobbling on on opening day when you and your buddies had been hearing seven, eight gobblers in, in the same general area that we were in in those mornings. So when you're in that same area and you're not hearing turkeys gobbling, at some point, you got to say, okay, I'm not the type of guy to go to Waffle House. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to throw in the chips. But I do have the sense sometimes of like maybe I should throw it in on this particular area, although I know gob- or turkeys are here. I, the sign is here. And I'm about to abandon this general area just because I'm not here and turkeys gobble, which is not which is not always the correct thing to do. And honestly, like I was, I'm trying to do a journal this year. And one of the things that I was going through on my lessons learned from that Florida trip was just that. If I could change anything about my Florida trip, it's day number one, not a single bird is gobbling. I would have set up over sign and I just stayed there. I'd have literally done the Gabe Meadow set up over plenty of turkey sign, yelp three to five times and just sat there. And I don't care how hungry I am. Like I ain't got anywhere else to be. I'm in Florida. Let's make it happen. And that's all about attitude. And so tonight, that's one of the main topics that I want to kind of us to run through is just attitude in the turkey woods and overall, like general confidence, how to build that confidence and to make the right decisions. Because I think that's uh, people talk about woodsmanship a lot. They talk about calling a lot. They could talk about setup a lot. But if your butt drives 10 miles down the road when you should have sat right there underneath that scratching, like that's that could be the difference maker. Can I, I want to say, like, I I am, I'm in my head, I'm not confident in, in my ability. But what I am confident in is if I'm there, my chances increase, right? Um, And so I think that's where the positivity comes in. It's like uh, last week had a great conversation actually with, uh, with Eli, who we were talking about killed that bird. Um, the day before I killed my bird or no, I'm sorry. The day that I killed mine, we, we hadn't heard anything dude. Opening day was a bust. Y'all heard more gobbles than we did Adam on opening day. And I'm the one who did all the flipping scouting in that area. And I'm like, crap, I haven't heard a thing. We've just covered ground. We could cover like seven miles that day. I think just, trying to figure out something and weren't able to um and so the next day eli we'd walked a lot a lot that morning haven't heard anything hadn't even heard a a peep a hen nothing and he said man how are we gonna find a how are we gonna find a goblin turkey i was like well i can't tell you just based on skill i can't tell you anything but i can tell you if we just cover ground eventually we're going to run into one like it's just it's just gonna happen 
it all it does. Everybody knows that. If you just walk around enough, eventually you're gonna run into a turkey that wants to gobble. And so we just were like, we're gonna just walk. And it, what's really funny about the positivity thing is my wife, when we got out of the truck right before I killed my bird, we were walking through this swamp, man, and we were sinking to our, you know, like it's just loud you know, suctioning to that mud and we're just trying to find a high spot that we can get out and, and just set up. All we were going to do is just set up. And my wife texts me. She said, did you kill Turkey? I said, no, I haven't, but some guys in camp have, and everybody's here in gobbles. So I know they're here. And she said, wow, that sucks. And I said, well, I'm just trying to be positive. And when I said that, I was like, you know, positivity doesn't really come like you can't have a positive attitude when everything's always good right you have to have there there's there's got to be negative to to actually be somebody who has a positive attitude like you got to have a positive positive attitude through a lot of stuff um somebody that's somebody that I, i mean i've i've really tried to force myself to be that way um because of guys like Jeremy Aaron, who just seems like every bad thing that happens to them, he just lets it roll right off his back. Like, well, you know, we press forward, you know, <laughs> it's like, well, okay. Yeah. yeah, you're right. That's what we do. So anyways, that's, that's kind of where I am. Like there's, I, 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 and you can, I think all you guys probably know this, maybe not you as much Joey, because you're not into the, all the deer stuff. Um, during deer season, I get up and my feelings like I'm the worst freaking boat bow hunter rifle hunter freaking i can't even ride a boat good you know what i mean like I <laughs> boat can't even do that well you did like, break I, your boat so. <laughs> yeah I, I actually did break it i actually do suck at riding a boat <laughs> um i get up in my feelings a lot but um i keep going and i think that's where the the having a positive attitude really really helps and i i i'm telling you man like i I don't have i don't always have the most positive attitude but i do have confidence that if i just keep going i'm eventually gonna have something's gonna happen you know that's just how it works what do you guys think like so when you're in a camps type scenario or even just out you know watching instagram and your best buddies are shooting turkeys and you're not hearing anything like, how does that impact you? Like, I'm unfollowing all the turkey pages on Facebook during turkey season because <laughs> it does some. It really does do something to you. You know, guys are out there killing. Oh, we doubled this morning. <laughs> we killed these, and it's just like, why is it not happening to me? Do I suck that bad? And it's no. It's just right place, right time kind of deal. And like Parker said, and you said earlier, Adam. If you're having a crappy morning and you know there's turkeys around, like there's turkeys there, they're gonna end up around that side at some point. You ain't got nothing better to do. I mean, that you know, you can beat that into somebody's head, and they, they may still want to run ten miles somewhere else where they've never scouted turkeys just to see, but they're leaving turkeys that are there that are gonna make their their way, and that's you know, patience kills more turkeys. Everybody says it. Um, it's easier said than done a, a lot. And I, I've caught myself since I'm a privileged hunter of the state of Alabama. I uh, caught myself already this year um, wanting to uh, 
to move, to get up. I mean, me and my dad got up one time and walked around this, the exact tree we were sitting on three or four times looking for another tree. Ended up sitting right back where we were, you know, because <laughs> I got impatient and I just wanted to move. Um, as much as it sucks and the turkeys end up coming back. But, um, yeah, it's just with people, with people, the social media, that just, that's rough. And it, especially for um, Adam and Joey, I don't know how y'all are functioning you know not not being able to uh go out i mean when i was seeing some um turkeys being posted before our season was open it kind of bothered me um but i I didn't get into turkey mode until i actually went hunting saturday so i'm uh full force now trying not to get jealous everybody else that are killing them can i say joey um I, I feel like Joey doesn't, it doesn't do anything to him because I feel like every time somebody shoots a turkey, Joey's the first one to comment. Congratulations. I just think, I, I just think it gets Joey hard thinking about somebody else killing a turkey just as much as it does him killing a turkey. <laughs> I want to, I want to say something on the comment uh, board for these turkey pages. Um, people, post their turkeys and they and they brag on them and some some people sell themselves short um a young man posted a picture of a turkey and said got my first bird solo by myself he's not the biggest but i'm excited and i was the first i comment i don't usually comment on post uh just i'm I'm not that guy um i like it but um, I commented on this when I said, "Man, don't sell your short self short on a long beard. A long beard, a long beard is a long beard, no matter what size he is." And I feel, and that's a whole nother podcast for another time. But I feel like these pages have gotten so sensitized to how big a turkey is. It doesn't matter. Uh, you hear the saying, "It talk like a man, die like a man." You know, I'll shoot a I'll shoot a Jack in the face if it sounds sounds like a full turkey. And I'm not going to apologize for it. You know, you work for that and be proud of it. So if you're listening to this and you're you're contemplating posting something because it may have a six-inch beard and not a 13-inch, you know, ground dragger, they can kiss my snood. <laughs> I feel like Matt, Matt got fired up. Today. Yeah, I think it gets me going, man. I, I keep talking about it. The best part about turkey hunting to me, man, is that it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like that's why it's so great. Each and every single one of them is a a dang king. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah, they. Uh, I don't. I don't ever let Parker. You nailed it. I don't let social media you know really get to me during turkey season. Even even during the you know now the month and a half you know that people are turkey hunting before. I can turkey hunt in Tennessee. Now, like I said, originally, yeah, I had planned to go to Florida and everything else. But, I mean, it's just, uh, I just don't let it get to me. And why, I mean, why should I? What can I do about it? I mean, what I got to do, just sit here and pout for six weeks before I go turkey hunting? No, I can just, that's just two more weeks for me to get my stuff more ready. That's a lie. I ain't got nothing ready yet. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, and as far as, you know, even when season does open for us up here and in years past, there have been rough days, you know, couldn't buy a gobble, couldn't hardly tell you what a turkey sounded or looked like, you know, by the end of the day. Uh, I'm just, I mean, it's just, it's just one day. And I'm confident that I know turkeys well enough that 
what's going on maybe an hour away from me is probably totally different than what's going on where where I'm at. Birds connect 100% different. Adam, uh, just was it yesterday, you went out listening uh, to a spot we were going to go uh, hunting on youth on youth weekend. And a buddy of mine sent me a video from his the back the back deck of his house. It was about an hour away from where we were planning on hunting, and birds behind his house were lighting it up. And Adam couldn't he couldn't buy a gobble that morning, but I know turkeys are there. I mean, I am one hundred percent confident there are turkeys there. So I just uh, you can't let it get to you. I mean, if you do, I. I don't know. And then as far as like the confidence thing, one of my favorite quotes in the world is, uh, it's called, I think it goes, the definition of confidence is going after Moby Dick in a rowboat and taking tartar sauce with you. Now that ain't got nothing to do with turkey hunting, but it's still my favorite quote. Uh, but you do have. <laughs> but you... That is awesome. <laughs> couple things joey i didn't know you were a philosopher uh i did kind of peg you as the guy that wouldn't care on social media if your buddies were killing turkeys you just be like oh good job buddies and you would just be happy for everybody Uh, but i didn't know that you were truly a philosopher second thing is is when you were sending me that video of your buddy that lives in the same dadgum county that i do and turkeys are gobbling their heads off here's my attitude i'm like piss on that what am i doing i should have went got my boat and went on the lake and Send the birds. Why not drive an hour out here? So, so you know, I guess everybody knows why I wanted to talk about attitude because I am the guy on social media when you know when Parker kills a turkey this week, I'll be like, I hope he breaks his toe on the way out. <laughs> Just stub it. <laughs> God, you know, choke, choke um, on his mouth. Call. Yeah, we were talking about. We were talking in a group in our Grext. You know, have you heard that Grext? No. Not, no, not since now. I have not heard of that. Uh, Clay Harper is the one who told me about a Grext. That is a group text. That's what the kids are saying. Um, we were talking in a, in a Grext today about uh, statistics, right? Um, and, and particularly the statistics of, uh, I think, Matt, you're the one who sent it. Um, yeah, yeah. The percentages of, like, only this percent of hunters killed one gobbler this year and even less killed two and and i mean these are numbers i think it's this way probably countrywide the numbers are not just amazing like there's not everybody and their brother is not shooting a turkey everybody and their brother that you follow on facebook is because their life is turkeys you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. You just have to like, you have to see that, see it with that kind of filter. Like when I feel like I'm not shooting any turkeys because I've only killed three or whatever, like most people are just out there trying to kill one, like kill the first one. You Mm -hmm. know, we had an influx of hunters during COVID year. A lot of people in the woods right now have not ever killed a bird. And so I guess that's where some confidence can come from too. Uh, I would imagine a lot of the people listening to this podcast are in that upper percentage of people killing one, two, three, three birds, something like that. If you're interested enough in turkey hunting to listen to listen to a podcast about it, you're probably traveling some, you know, doing whatever. Um, 
And so I think that that's really important for people that, that listen to this. It's like, you're real. you are in a, you're in another league most, most of the time. You know, if you, if you killed a few turkeys, you're in a, a very high tier of what the average, what the percentages are reporting anyways. And yeah. so. Yeah. That, one that, state. Uh, oh, sorry, Parker. Go ahead. I was just going to say that can really boost your confidence. Yeah, the one state that we were talking about today, the percentage of hunters that kill one turkey during that season, there was like a five-year average. 63% of the hunters got one turkey. And then two turkeys, it dropped down to 22%. And then three turkeys or more, it got into single digits. And that kind of boosts my confidence right there. Because if I got three turkey tags... And I filled three of them. I guess I'm, I guess I was in the what the top nine percent of the hunters in the state. That state. I mean, I'll take yeah. that all day, every day. Um, but also, uh, in regards to like confidence or attitude, and I guess perseverance. You know, Tennessee dropped their limit to two to two birds for this upcoming year, and shifted the season uh, two weeks. Opens middle of April, closes the end of May, and. I will tell you right now, if I feel one tag on April 15th and I don't feel another one till May 28th, you can bet your hind end I'm going to be hunting May 27th and 28th. And I'm confident in saying that there's probably not that many people in the state that are going to be hunting that last half of May with psychopaths like me out in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> it is so true. Run around. Any WMA. Um towards the end of the seasons most of the time there there ain't anybody there mm-hmm. and you can get a lot of stuff to yourself in the season i mean honestly most wmas after opening week most wmas that i've ever been to are you know you pretty much have choice free reign where you want to go well, one thing that kind of makes me feel better is adam you see it on tennessee turkey hunters all the time people are belly aching about that later season and that makes me feel good. I yeah. wish they all felt like that. Y'all stay, <laughs> y'all stay at home come May, and let mm-hmm. me have all those good May turkeys. Y'all stay at home. Don't hunt in the heat; it's too hot for you. Stay at home in the air conditioning. Go crappie fishing. Don't talk about May turkeys. Just stop. <laughs> it can be tough. I, I want to touch on something real quick. I know attitude is is everything. Turkeys have attitude. You know, every gobbler has a different gobble. Gobble. They all act different, but. For our confidence is us, you know, you got to kind of, we, we've said this before, you come up to a parking lot and you have like a, a line of hunters. You can tell who the turkey hunters are, you know, but maybe it's their, can't, you know, everybody's wearing bottom land now. That's kind of hard, but you can just kind of tell how people talk. So for y'all, I want to know this. When, when you're in the woods, like what is your most confident, like I wouldn't say locator call, but like, if you're out in the woods, you're having a tough day, and you're like, "Man, I got to get one to gobble." What is your go-to? Like, hey, this is what a, he gobbles to every time when I call to him. Mine's easy. Like, I can cut pretty dang good. Like, if there's there's one call that I feel like I have completely mastered, that is like excited yelps followed by some cuts, pretty hard and yeah. quick. And I feel like like a midday gobbler. If I get one to strike on that especially at midday 
I feel like that's a done. That, that's now, as close to a done deal as I'm going to get. Now, is that with a mouth call or? Yeah, uh, with a mouth pot, call. Pot call, okay. M- mouth call, yeah. Yeah. Hey, kid, what about you, Parker? Hmm. Um, I'll I tell you. <laughs> oh, sorry. My number one mo- thing that makes me the most, that I'm most confident that will work is sitting down. And just, just waiting. Like take a little nap. I mean, I'll I'll call every fifteen minutes, and I'll tell you the other thing that make dude this night and hail aluminum pot call is it's killed more turkeys for me doing just that because I can like it. It has like a really high pitched, sweet like low end, like low sound uh, or low volume. But when you get to ripping on that thing, like it'll cut so hard and it just cuts through the wind. It cuts through the noise, the birds, whatever. And I have struck more gobblers with that by just, you know, sometimes it's finding the sign and sitting down. Sometimes it's just like, hey, this looks like I'm, I know there's turkeys around. This looks like the kind of place that they would want to hang out in. I'm going to sit my butt down. I've, I mean, dude, I would say like, a good 60% of the turkeys I've killed in my life were doing just that. And if, if not, and that doesn't mean that I'm like deer hunting, I'm waiting for them to walk through. I'm just waiting to strike one. And that's all I'm doing. Like I'm, I'm sometimes it's worked out where they just show up and they come in silent or they come in gobbling and they're, they start coming. Sometimes I'm just trying, I'm just waiting to strike one. And then I go and, and find them, but it's always doing that. Just being there. I think, you all I, I sometimes get in the habit of just walking and just covering as much ground as I possibly can, knowing that if I would just sit down, that usually works. You know, it mm-hmm. it, yeah. it does a lot. Um, so yeah, that's where that's that's my most confident thing that I do. When I when I sit down, I'm like, I'm gonna sit here until I hear a gobble. So I'm either gonna sit here all day and take a good nap or I'm gonna hear a gobble. Yeah, it's not going to hurt. Just sit still and listen. Not at all. Joey? I'm like Adam. <clears throat> if I can get one to answer a cut or something like that, I have a lot more confident. I almost, I've got to where I think if I have to beg him to gobble with some kind of locator call, that may be okay. But I think I'll have to work at him to get him good and torqued up to really come in there. Uh, I'm not saying it, it probably probably would happen. Uh, but I just think if, if he can cut, if he can gobble at a cut and I can keep him gobbling for a little bit, I think my odds go up significantly rather than striking him with owl call, or I got a new locator call uh, for this year for the daytime, but I ain't saying what it is. Uh, not until after we record, but, um, but yeah, like if, uh, if I have to, if, if I have to drag a gobble out of him, and then work, try to get him torqued up enough to move in. I mean, it's, I would almost just rather start out with that cut, start out with a turkey call. Yeah. I, I love how you were saying that about the locators. Um, I've kind of got a, I've got mixed feelings about them, just like you, you know, you're kind of pulling one out of it. it. Does that mean he's fired up and ready to die? Not necessarily. He's just giving you a beat on him. And I this think- is, this is kind of not the confidence thing. 
But I just let the woods wake up in the morning. I don't make a sound. I the owls are going to go on their own. The crows are going to go on their own. Let those turkeys wake up naturally, like they always do. And that and that's just me. You know, some mm-hmm. people have their preferences. They'll hooty hoo on every ridge, but that's not me. I um, I saw some on Facebook. A guy was crow calling at six o'clock in the morning last weekend uh, down here, trying to locate some birds for this coming weekend. Just just wild stuff. I mean, I'll, I think, I think locator calls are much more effective in the mornings. I will say that like hooting and whatnot. And I will be that guy that hoots probably earlier than he should. And I'll tell you why, if I can get that bird to gobble before anything else starts to gobble or before daylight, that -hmm. gives me enough time to kind of get enough of a pin on him to see where he's at and use the cover of darkness to get in there and get closer to him. Like if he gobbles, instead of him gobbling at, at daylight in gray light, when he can see me for probably a hundred something yards or 200 yards, especially this early season when there's nothing on the trees, then, I mean, you got to do a little bit more maneuvering to get up there to him. But I think Mm -hmm. if you can get him to gobble when it's still dark out and he can't really tell what's going on on the forest floor, I think you got a better chance of getting closer to him and then probably just shutting up until daylight comes and then maybe you can see him or just whatever. But I think just getting in there as close as you can to him before he can see you is, is pivotal. I kind of, I want to define what Joey and Matt were talking about with striking a gobbler with a locator call. I think you guys are talking specifically about afternoons and evenings, right? When you strike a gobbler with a locator call in the afternoons and evenings, your confidence goes lower Yeah, that you are actually finding a hot turkey. Because it seems like yeah. for me, if I'm, let's say I'm walking old logging road and, you know, I'm going to stop and I'm going to cut or something, I'm going to yelp or I'm going to do some type of turkey call and I get no reaction. And then I take another 50 yards and I'm like, oh man, this looks like turkey. I need to, I need to hit my crow call. I hit the crow call and then one gobbles hundred yards away like you guys, I feel like if that bird, if that gobbler was really hot, he'd have probably gobbled at my, at my yelping or my cutting, not at that crow call. Yeah. And so my confidence level does drop. And like Matt said, man, I, I got a beat on him. That's about it at that point. I think there's a, I think there's a difference in a shot gobble and a gobble in response to a hen. I think when you are striking him with that locator call, he's just shot gobbling, you know, and I don't think that he's really trying to communicate with a hen and let that hen know that he's fired up and that he wants her to come to him or vice versa. I think it's just a true shot gobble when you strike them with a locator call versus with a turkey call. I think they communicate with a turkey call. I think they just react to a locator call. Yeah. Here's one thing that's – I want to talk about when my confidence goes down. You know, we, we've kind of been building our confidence. You know, our confidence is up when this happens, or I'm confident through this. My confidence goes out down when I find out he has a hen with him <laughs> of of any sort. And that was kind of my story this weekend. You know, Joey, I I got in there in the darkness and I sat down and I looked to my left and I could see a hen in the tree. You know, she still had her head tucked, whatnot. But I I get very I know people talk about anxiety and whatnot, but I get very anxious walking in the woods under a turkey because uh, I feel like I'm committing a crime and I'm about to get caught. 
um, because I mean, because they don't know I'm there, you know, just hope I don't get busted. But anyways, I, I, I get in, you know, set up and then you start hearing those hens. How are you going to compete with a live hen? And I've, I've, I'm finally understanding it, um, which I don't fully understand. It, it's hard to fully understand turkey hunting, but he's going to prefer to go to those hens over, over you. You know, you're already on the ground. You may talk to him. He's never heard you, you know, whatever these calls are called, the raspy hen, the sexy swat, whatever. Um, <laughs> that doesn't matter to him. He knows those real hens are there. And if he sees them pitched down, hey, that's where he's going. Um, so to, to, to that, do y'all feel like you can call those hens to you or are they just going to do their own thing? I feel a higher confidence of – him having hens with him than I do if like the wind picks up. The yeah. wind is what kills my confidence in finding turkeys. Hens, I I mean, I think I can, you know, call I can communicate with them and hopefully, you know, pull that boss hand over there. And and to me, if I can get a hen fired up and start talking with her, man, that is just as fun or more fun than talking with a gobbler because that hen's going to tell you exactly what to say. And mm-hmm. how to say it, because you just do exactly what she says and you just let her, you know, you know, set the t- set the tone. If she gets fired up, you get fired up. If she gets even more fired up. You get even more fired up and you just repeat that process, you know, and hopefully they'll just bring the whole flock in. Um, but also, Matt, like we were talking on the Marco Polo uh, shameless plug for the Southern Ground Patreon Marco Polo here. Uh, talking about turkey hunting um i think him having hens with him doesn't really kill my confidence so much that i just give up on him uh at least for a couple weeks you know him having hens with him makes it difficult for pretty much everybody you know there's going to be those days where dave owens can't call him away from those hens but i have confidence in that since it's going to be so hard on everybody maybe not everybody's going to put a pin on that spot and come back and check him in two weeks. And hopefully if it's on public, he hasn't gotten killed. And if he is on public, you just have to hope that, you know, he stays hinned up for another weekend or so until you get back yeah. out there. So that doesn't kill my confidence nearly as much as wind. When I would rather, I'd rather hunt in a hurricane than hunt in a 20 mile an hour wind. I hate it. Absolutely what? hate it. Wouldn't a hurricane technically be like a really, really high wind? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just you get what I'm windy. saying. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe that Forrest Gump uh, rain. I'd rather hunt in Forrest Gump riding, rain riding than, sideways. Uh, than wind. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'm with you, Joey. I'm the same. I, I hate. If it's if the wind starts picking up, I'm like, frick, I'm just going to do something else. Yeah. I, I just, oh. That, I tell you, that's that's one of the hardest parts about hunting turkeys out west. Yeah. Like you hear everybody talk about Merriams and old Merriams are fun and they gobble to everything. Yeah, if you can freaking hear them. <laughs> you got to the hear them things in the paws of a wind, let me tell you. Yep, it makes it tough. I've had, uh, last year I was in Wyoming, one morning, it that wind was whipping at, at, in the dark. And there were turkeys gobbling and it was so frustrating because I could hear them. I just had no idea what direction they were coming from. I and I had no chance. Like they were, they were fired up. They were gobbling like crazy. And it's just like that sounded like it was over here. This is mm-hmm. sounded like 
here. You know what I mean? And so I'm, I'm right there, dude. It's like, gosh, I hate hunting them in the wind. I'd, I'd rather hunt in the rain. I feel pretty confident. Um, if uh, what you're talking about, Matt, about finding uh, a bird that's got hens with him, um, I feel, I feel very confident, um, that there's a turkey in the area right and mm-hmm. so uh at some point that hen's probably going to leave him that day she's going to leave him be and he's going to remember i don't remember who it was that i heard talk about this um it may have been dave or somebody on a podcast or something um but just the i mean it's it's common knowledge to a hardcore turkey hunter but he'll pinpoint where he hears you at. If he's gobbled at you that morning, he'll pinpoint that. And if he does lose his hens at some point, he's going to just kind of work his way back through there and see what's up with you. Cause, uh, and I've seen it happen. I mean, freaking time and time and time again, mm-hmm. where you'll be working a bird, then you'll leave and you'll go over somewhere else. And he ends up gobbling right back where you were just at. You know what I mean? Like that, that I've seen that happen over and over and over again. And so, you know, I, I'm, as long as I know there's a Turkey in the area, my confidence is pretty high. Yeah. Talking about confidence and, you know, just the ability to get it done. I bought a book the other day and I was sharing some stats with you guys where in 1975, the state of Tennessee had 5,000 turkeys is what they guesstimated national wild Turkey Federation had. Uh, this book was, I think, Hunting the Wild Turkey by Dave Harbor. And in that book showed statistics of hunter success rates per day. And it's the same statistics that, you know, the different states are looking at today. I know Miss, the state of Mississippi looks at that a lot. And what I've heard, and I can't remember exactly what those numbers were, I think the state of Mississippi says like the average, um, let's say, hunter in that that guy that's killing two or three birds. And, and I can't quote all this stuff. I think he's killing a turkey every seven to eight days. That's pretty close to what Dave was saying in 1975 for those turkey hunters. So you think about a guy living in Tennessee with 5,000 turkeys. Now, he may have had to go to Alabama where, you know, Alabama's generally got more turkeys in Tennessee for all those listening. So does Kentucky. So (laughs) even in 1975, you had to cross those state lines. Uh, But they were having just astronomical success rates when you think about that. And it had, and I think about those guys, you're dealing with that few of turkeys. You're going out there, you're dealing with the wind, you're dealing with rain, you're dealing with the elements, you're, you're dealing with having to work all week, but you're still getting out there and you're finding birds and you're getting it done. Like those guys probably heck of a lot better turkey hunters than what we are. And, and from what most of us see today. I will, uh, I won't argue that they were really good turkey hunters. Yep. But I will say that if I was a gobbler and there were so few turkeys that I hadn't heard a hen in a week and yep. a half, I may come running to the first hen I see or hear. I mean, I agree. That's what I've told Parker about Florida is like, dude, I love going to Florida because there ain't as many turkeys. It doesn't feel like I hear as many turkeys. And if you strike a gobbler during the middle of the day, he probably doesn't have a hen with him. He's going to be easier to kill. Like in unlike Tennessee, where it's like. I feel like they got five hens with them at all freaking times. Like you can't shake a, shake them off of them. They did last year. I mean, pile last of tur- year. Pile of turkeys. Last year was rough for hen birds. You're right, Joey. I'm seeing like even this year, it's like I see 
one gobbler to every ten hens. That's that's what it's like. Look, like today, I well, today I saw what four strutters, four strutting jakes, and then like ten hens. They're all just hanging out in the field. Seeing mm-hmm. a lot of field birds this year, but the hen numbers are real high. Um, the place I was hunting this weekend, they've been out there pretty much every other day, mm-hmm. and it's two gobblers with eight hens. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of eyes. Yeah, you know? but that's. I mean, I'd rather have him. I'd rather have them have eight hens with him than two hens. Yeah, and just have a bunch of turkeys we've had some good hatches last couple of years all across the southeast and i don't probably even up in the northeast too just from what i hear uh there've just been some good hatches and there are those big winter flocks and so i would anticipate you know some big groups in early season pretty much everywhere and again i'm anxious to see what happens with tennessee since we got the two-week pushback if they're still grouped up by yeah. that april 15th mark i know um, a lot of states do like buck to doe ratios um have you, have you ever heard anything of doing like a tom to hen ratio per state which these states don't know how many turkeys they have anyways and so i don't know if they could be able to tell us that or not but that'd be something cool to know um yeah that, that information may be out there but uh in my opinion you can't have you can't have too many hens yeah. i mean you we can probably gripe about hen up birds but at the end of the day all those eight hens are hopefully getting bred and laying laying eggs, you know, at the end of April. And it's it was funny and shocking to me. It was a couple of months ago. I was getting my oil changed, and a uh, guy was changing my oils. One of those little quick clue places or whatever it was. But anyway, he saw the turkey, you know, paraphernalia all over my truck, and uh, he said, uh, "He said a striker in the front seat." <laughs> well, yeah, I got the. If you've ever been in my truck, I got a hitch cover that's a strutting turkey. Just sits on my dashboard. That's gobbles. So gobbles rides up on the dash all the time. And he saw that, and he saw the NWTF license plate, TFT sticker, and you know whatever else on there. And uh, he said, "Are you a turkey hunter?" I said, "Yes, sir, I am." And he started going on about how uh, he turkey hunts someplace, a couple counties north of where we were at, and. Uh, he said, man, I wish TWRA would just let us start killing a few of them hens. And I'll just, <laughs> I just cocked my head like a dog, you know, listening to a whistle. And I didn't really know what to say for a minute. And I was like, oh yeah, how's that? It was, yeah, man, them hens up at our place. I see 75 of them things every year and only a handful of gobblers. Man, I can't, I can't hardly ever call them gobblers away from them hens. I wish I could just kill a few of them. And, uh, and make them gobblers a little easier to kill. And I just, I think it was right before Christmas. I was like, yeah, man, I mean, I wish you the best of luck. Merry Christmas. And then I didn't, I just rolled my window up. I didn't talk to him no more, but. <laughs> Don't shoot those bearded hens. Yeah, I, Golly, man. I saw, I had a bearded hen roosted beside me Saturday or something yesterday morning. And I, I had to like catch myself, but no, Joey, I, I would be a liar if I said I did, I didn't think about that at one time. You know, what if we did kill some of these hens? You know, we'd <laughs> we'd be better because that's my deer hunting mentality. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. with deer yeah. they say kill kill more does, it'll make the the rut you know better. Not too not as much competition. Blah blah blah. blah. Well, that could go into a whole another different category with turkeys. But you know, I can see where some people would think about, think that, but that's not a not a good idea. 
No. And I think it's I just, did tell him, you know, that uh, like we need all of those hens to make more turkeys. Like, don't you know where turkeys come from? They come from hen turkeys. I don't know if they taught you that in it, biology. And the predation. Um, yeah. With it, that's that's big. Yeah. That nesting success rate is so, so low. If you start studying and looking at that, and again, we're not wildlife biologists, but it is very low. And I don't know how that compares to the, the deer out there, but yeah. Yeah. Long story short. Hands. It's a flat miracle that we have adult gobblers to hunt every year. Yeah. Statistic, statistic wise, I mean, the, the odds of that bird making it two or three years is extremely low. It's insane what it takes to grow a turkey. So, again, we're not going to go down a habit rabbit trail. I'm just going to say one thing real quick. You read the old timers, and, I'm, and when we're talking old timers, I don't mean the early 1900s. I'm talking like the 1800s, the 1700s, when you hear the amount of turkeys that were in North America gobbling their heads off from ridge to ridge. And, and I think, I can't remember if it's the old pro turkey hunter that references this or what book it is, where they're just, it's like a continuous gobble once one starts going. You did not have two things during that time and that was like the hunters that were out there uh doing what we're doing today and habitat loss so one of those two things predation had to have been pretty dang good i guarantee you those indians weren't out there trapping coyotes i guarantee you those indians weren't trapping coons they weren't trapping possums there was two things happening that's different today habitat loss and hunter concentrations way way up up oh. Not a, not a wildlife biologist. Not going to go down that rabbit hole. Here I am doing it. Parker's looking at me like you. <laughs> you just put two smirking. sticks together. You just put two no, sticks you, together and started whittling on them, yeah. trying to cause a fire. You, you no, you, you just broke your own rule. I know. I couldn't take it. <laughs> I couldn't take oh, it. I'm saying, I don't care what you say. You just broke your own. I know that's why you were laughing at me. Because uh, I was sitting over here breaking my own rules, my own judgments. No. Man. I mean, I, I got to tell you a funny story, Joe. You reminded me of it when you're talking about that guy. Um, so we were turkey hunting, and uh, this guy, this guy comes up. This was last week. This guy comes up. He's talking to us, you know, and he's a he's an older gentleman, um, pretty pretty redneck fella as well. Uh, and he's like, "Yeah, we we seen some." We seen a bunch of gobblers go across this across this field. Well, heck, I you know I I've shot about ten hens this year already. <laughs> I don't think he knew there was anything wrong with it. I don't think he even had any idea that you weren't allowed to shoot hens because he was just like, yeah, we shoot we shoot hens back there all the time. You know the the gobblers kind of they'll they'll be kind of further out, but yeah, we'll we'll shoot them hens. It's good eating. It was like, okay, well then, that's and it's one of those things. Like, do you tell him you're not supposed to do that? I don't know, not really. I don't, I don't know. He's gonna keep doing it, <laughs> you know. So it's like, Golly. uh it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy to think about that, though. I mean, how many people do you think are out there actually shooting hens? There's probably a few, like quite a few. There may be a few. I think the percentage of people that just don't even read the regs is probably higher than that. Like I bet you 
I bet you next weekend there's going to be some folks in Tennessee turkey hunting. No doubt. It ain't supposed to be because they don't know nothing. I mean, and in all it, honesty, I mean, if let's say let's say I, somebody did not have social media and maybe just picked up if if the if they picked up the regs, maybe you know, once a year, sometime or another, what are the odds you think they know about some of the major changes that you know, even Alabama, you know, no y'all got more rules than we do, I think. You know, no decoys first 10 days and uh WMAs are closed for a week. And I don't know, go you just go down the list. Like if some old dude just didn't have social media and didn't even pick up the regs, but he knows when turkey season has historically opened, he may kill a couple of turkeys, but he may just be starting a week or so earlier than everybody else. I, I, I guarantee you right now there's somebody on a national forest in Alabama hunting and they came from out of state and they're camping and there's not very many game wardens out there and they're going to go and have a heck of a time <laughs> thinking that they're hunting and there ain't nobody else out there. I promise you, I listen, I promise you that is happening right now as we speak because it happened last year. Like there was a lot, there was actually kind of a lot of people out there from out of state. It was only non because all oh, yeah. the residents pretty well knew. Yeah. Um, and there were people out there hunting them, you know, and like, I, part of me is like, you know, I mean, it is kind of, the rules are kind of confusing, especially if you're a non-resident as a non-resident. I don't really, when I look at when if I wanted to go to Indiana, I'm going to go and look and see when does Indiana's turkey season start? And that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to think about, well, I wonder if public land starts later or whatever. It's kind of a, it's kind of a weird rule. Um, yeah. Most states don't do anything like that. I think Georgia does. Um, Georgia and Alabama may be the only ones. Mississippi. Mississippi is like quota or draw for the first week or something like that for non-residents. I, I don't, I don't know. Weeks, I, I think, yeah. yeah. And quota uh, hunts. I mean, you just, it just goes to show you need to do your due diligence before you just light off somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. And I like just even going back to the talk on uh, hunter ethics and, and things like that. Like when we did this episode, when we did that episode and we uh, put it out on social media, we were getting, we got messages and comments and like some, some, some stories you know what i mean like same thing happened to us back blah 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 you know and some guy poached a turkey like th there's a lot of people out there breaking the rules you know what i mean um like an alarming number and so a lot of these statistics are just kind of honest statistics and we may never actually know how much is actually being affected or affected by hunter numbers yeah well guys this conversation has been a lot of fun i enjoy this i hope the listeners enjoy it parker i think you said because i'm not going to be here next week i don't think i think you said you guys are going to pull a guest in for next week to have more of a traditional type interview so anybody yep. that's listening and like man this is two weeks in a row of you guys pontificating on all uh all things turkey hunting and <laughs> just the roundtable discussions maybe it's getting old for them we got uh, traditional interviews coming back the next probably week or two and uh, and hopefully some good turkey kill stories coming as well. Heck yeah. 
All right. Well, guys, thanks for joining in. Like, subscribe. Wait a minute, you don't subscribe podcast? <laughs> you do, actually. Oh, what? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, su- I subscribe. subscribe. I don't subscribe. know what everybody don't, else does. You don't like podcasts. I think you follow podcasts, right? I don't actually. I think Spotify works differently than, yeah. than uh, like iTunes and stuff like that. I don't see know. Who the, see who the boomer in the group is all of a sudden that just came shining through. Like, I do. Subscribe to our channel. Okay, bye. Smash, <laughs> smash that like button. <laughs> and hit the notification bell so you know everything that happens when it happens. Let out a big, ah. uh, big old hoop when you do, so we know you did. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Hey, thanks for listening to the Limhanger Turkey Hunting Podcast. Hope you tune in next week for another great conversation about our favorite bird in the woods. That's the wild turkey. We'll talk to you guys next week.